Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic. Since 1982, Dynamic Air Quality Solutions has been the leader in designing, manufacturing, and distributing IAQ products to the commercial and residential markets through authorized HVAC contractors. Our products are based on science and logic. We provide ongoing world-class technical and communication training for your entire team. They'll learn to understand and believe in the products and to communicate IAQ challenges and solutions in layman's terms on every call. Our training is educational, fun, and entertaining. You'll be assigned a world-class IAQ trainer and territory manager for technical support and to plan your training on an ongoing basis. Partner with us and enjoy the benefits of the science of clean air. For more information, visit worldclassiaq.com. Welcome to Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, formerly Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houch. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor are available on YouTube as well as your podcast player of choice. And for more information on how Certain Path can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com, or give us a call at 866-299-8505. Today's show is another Certain Path member discussion. These are interactive live programs where I interview Certain Path members on a particular finite topic. The topic of this call, budget and invoice review. I'll let my guest introduce himself in just a moment. I hope you enjoy it and you take away a nugget or two. Hello there, everyone. My name is Bob Houchin. I'm honored to host another Certain Path member discussion. Certain Path member discussions are your opportunities to hear from members like you explain what they're doing to be successful. Think of it as a little slice of Expo coming to you through your computer or phone. Today's topic is one that's timely, P&L and invoice review. Now, last month we talked about building a strategic plan, so we thought it made sense to kind of talk about how we review and change that plan as the year progresses. A uh, quick reminder as we talk about the topic, if you have a question, write it in the box at the bottom of your screen about the last 10 minutes or so of the hour, I will ask our panelists those questions. Speaking of panelists, uh, we had two lined up. Unfortunately, Mr. Joe Voci uh, just texted me this morning, ended up in the, in the hospital with a pretty severe illness. Thankfully, he was released, uh, but he's not in the physical capacity to be on today. But we do have another outstanding panelist, and I'm very excited to, to introduce him and have him join us. And that's Mr. Jim Bodine of CJS Heating and Air Conditioning in Columbus, Dayton, Kokomo, Springfield, Ohio and, and, and Indiana and beyond. So all over the Midwest. Jim, can you turn your camera on for me? Oh, Hello. there he is. Hey, Jim, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Bob? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Jim, I always appreciate your, your willingness to help out. I don't think there's anyone that's more generous with his time to help other people and certainly help us at Certain Path, uh, help motivate and help other contractors. Uh, he's part of our executive advisory board, just a good dude. So I appreciate you making time for us because I know you're always on the move. Uh, my pleasure. <laughs> now, where are you today? Where, what office are you at today? Uh, yeah, this isn't my normal office. This is uh, one of our uh, sales um, project managers. Uh, we call our salespeople project managers. Uh -huh. um, so it's, it's his office. I'm in Kokomo, Ohio, or Kokomo, Indiana today. I don't yeah. even know where I'm at. That's all right. I <laughs> threw you off Indiana. by it. Yeah, that's all right. That's great. Now, well, yeah, just just uh, some quick background for people. So 
maybe kind of just share in just a minute, like your story. How did you grow the, what, what location came first and, and then uh, all the way to, to your last one? Yeah, uh, so we started in March of 1994, ground up. Um, you know, I, I passing out flyers and, and telemarketing, and that location was March of 1994 yeah. uh, is when we started that in Dayton, Ohio. Um, when we joined um, SGI, or a certain path, yeah. um, we, um, uh, about three years into it, I started realizing that I wanted to do more than just be a manager within uh, my company and I wanted to do acquisition. My intention was to find some companies to fold in. Um, I um, happened to kind of run across uh, some opportunities for some friends that were in the business that happened to be SCI members too that were, wanted to retire and they yeah. uh, one of them sold their business to me basically uh, at the very beginning of 2017 and another one sold their business to me in the beginning of 2019 and that was Swiss Air out of Columbus was the 2017 mm -hmm. and then um, um, Rex Byers out of Kokomo, Indiana in 2019 and we're always on the hunt we're still looking we want to buy more locations um, so um, you know we, we want to grow that way we wouldn't mind folding a few in either it's just we haven't mm -hmm. had much luck finding people that want to um, uh, really team, you know, cause we can't operate on our two names in one market. So sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, I keep waiting for a CJS in every town in America, knowing how ambitious. I you are. know. <laughs> so we say CJS, we say CJS means yes. And it's our goal to yesify the nation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What, uh, what are you guys going to end up doing? Uh, if you don't mind me asking total revenue this year, what's, what's all, all I'm going to do together. 10 mil all together. Yeah. That's so great. Good for you. Yeah. Starting from and a guy that went through new construction and uh, didn't have any any background in service and replacement, so that's that's incredible. Good for you, Jim. Absolutely not. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, new. Well, great. I just for there's a lot of new members that come on. A lot of people that that maybe yeah. are brand new, or only been with a group for a little while, or people that are listening and watching from outside. So it's always good to give uh, a little background on, on those um, yeah on those guests. So thank you very much. Um, so I'm guessing. So let's talk about your your PL. Do you do you set it yourself every year? How much input do your your fellow managers because you have a manager what at every every uh, separate location, right? So uh, who who yeah. helps you construct that? Um, well, as far as when you talk about PLs from the budget standpoint, is that what you're yes. asking me? Um, yes. Yeah, I set the budgets, um, and I do get their input. I do. Um, Three every three week meetings with my team, um, my the managers that report to me, we call them success paths, and in those success paths, we'll adjust budgets and stuff like that. But we generally use uh, a 22 to 25 percent growth is what we're usually looking for, uh, okay. and and so we'll look at three years worth of history and kind of okay. you know uh, come up with something that's reasonable because sometimes you'll have a month that maybe exploded in a in a not that's why we use three years because you can go okay that's not normal for that month that have exploded right. so we won't necessarily plan for a growth month there but vice versa you'll also have a month that maybe dipped in a time when it's not normal and so you'll maybe have a bigger growth month planned for there but overall it's, it's about 22 to 25 percent is what we're looking to grow year over year is it um is it primarily seasonality that drives the the booms and the the in the lack of seasonality of the dips or is it sometimes performance in a certain location and just not having the right people or the right training at a certain time 
I've seen it happen both ways. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, obviously, uh, if the the weather, uh, you know, we try not to be driven by the weather. We have uh, quite a few maintenance uh, contracts, um, over six thousand maintenance contracts. Um, so um, we try not to be driven by the weather. We have plenty of uh, uh, maintenance contracts to go do, but it's it's always much better financially as everybody knows on this meeting when you can run demand calls and and the lead turnovers from that are much more abundant and uh um so yeah but i've also seen where um you know you have a manager that just doesn't get it or sometimes a manager goes into a slump or something like that and you gotta coach them out of that and uh or you know uh or sometimes maybe you got the wrong person on the uh, wrong seat of the bus, so. Sure, sure. That, you said, was it 22 to 25% you, you try to build in growth every every year? Yeah, I, I usually budget 22 to 25%, yeah. 22 to 25%. Some of my managers are like, some of my managers are like, let's do 10. I'm like, eh, let's do 22. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> How long is that, have you always had that? Or have there been moments like where you've doubled the first couple of years, maybe really implemented the system? and. I mean, is that is that a pretty is that you know something most other members can should aim to do that twenty two to twenty five is that right is that right reasonable? I think it's doable. Um, we, uh, I, you know, we've struggled a little bit over the last couple of years uh, uh, ourselves in that area, um, but I'm not giving up on it. Um, in the past, I've, I've I've hit it out of the park quite quite a few times, and I know it's doable. And I put the pressure on. Um, I'm, I'm still in charge of the marketing in, in the company. I use, I do, um, you know, have marketing companies that work for us. That I, I I'm, in other words, I'm, um, I guess, a tool in the marketing, if you will, sure. because yeah. I hire professionals. Um, but I put the pressure on ourselves to get that job right. And and then of course I put the pressure on the managers to make sure that we're making the most out of our opportunities. So, right, right. What's the what's the biggest driver to get that twenty two to twenty five percent? I mean, obviously you want to keep uh, you know your expenses reasonable, but is it just adding trucks and adding people, or or you can't really expect your people to get better, right? The performance, maybe you you know you increase your prices so they're going to generate additional revenue that way. Is it is it primarily the the addition of of trucks and sales folks? Um, so, you know, I always start with fundamentals, right? So, uh, you know, making sure that we have the right, uh, you know, uh, call, you know, make sure that when the calls come in the building that we're getting them closed. That's right. That's, that's get the calls in the building yep. and then get them closed. And then once you get them closed, they get distributed to their departments, right? So you have your, sure. your maintenance department, your service department, and your sales department. And then each one of those department has departments has a KPI. Right. That they're that they're running by, and then making sure that those KPIs are being hit, and and so if you're closing at the right percentages, uh, whether it be closing on the original phone call that came in the building, and your KPIs are good, you have the right ticket average and the right closing rate once you get out into the to the field. There really is only one other thing, and that's uh, call volume, and and so, um, but call volume really should. Uh, it, it should be analyzed uh, first, but it should be uh, addressed almost last because you don't want to increase call volume if you're only closing 50% of the calls that are coming into the building. Sure. Uh, your goal should be to close more of those calls, not to get the phone to ring more. 
absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. So in, in those cases, if all those KPIs are being met, it's it's generally then, again, all the KPIs are being met, it's a manpower, it's a, it's a call issue, getting more calls in, and then a manpower issue, correct? And then a manpower issue, yeah. And so yeah. For, for instance now, and you know, Dayton, we've struggled at times to, um, we could do more volume than what we do, but we've struggled um, to keep it, it it's not that we're necessarily struggling to find people. We're actually struggling to keep people. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and we got to look in the mirror and constantly get better at that. But sure. that's caused us some growth problems because we, um, you know, you lose people and, and you know, conservatively, uh, you know, each one of the, a field person can generate you know, depending on whether it's installer or service, you know, on a very, very low conservative scale, about 1200 bucks per day per person. So, yeah. um, you know, now installers are gonna generate more and sometimes service techs will generate less, but we've come up with an average of a very conservative small number, about $1,200 a day for our company per right. person. So when you're down, when you're down somebody that's, you know, for 21 days, that's that's well over $21,000, you know, and you get down three of those, that's $60,000, and that makes yeah. a difference. <laughs> well, no, and, you know, by putting a number to it, it obviously, it becomes a little more real, if you think of it in that capacity, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure you're recruiting every day. But, yeah, who, who, this is a side question. Who is managing your, your recruiting for you guys in all these locations? So, currently, we, we employ a... Um, gentleman in the house that does recruiting for us. That's his, uh, I will say it's his uh, three-quarter time job. <laughs> He's also a, a very seasoned tech and seasoned employee with CGS. So he does the technical training in the morning with the uh, okay. teams and he, he puts those together or he's taken old programs that he's run and, he's put, and, he, and he tweaks them and makes them a little better and he runs training with the team and the team has to get a test every morning. Um, they go to a like a Google Meet, like we're on now webinar, and and uh, uh, and they and they uh, when they're done with it, they have to take a test. They have to get a hundred, and so he does that first in the morning, and then when he's done with that, about nine, ten o'clock, he goes into recruiting mode, and that's what he does all day. Oh, well, that's neat. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. you, uh, 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 there's no there's no certain way to form a company or have certain roles. You just you find the right people and you find the right uh, seat for them, right? So that's interesting. Yeah, we. We've discussed bringing on a second recruiter. We haven't made that commitment, but we actually discussed it just because of the value of uh, of what one person missing in the company is. You know, so. Sure, sure. Okay, let's get back to the budget budget talk. Um, so, how often are you reviewing that? Is that a uh, are you looking at it all the time? And and then when what kind of meetings do you have to review with with your managers? So we do we do a morning huddle and we look at you know income. Um, you know, we're looking at income every single day. Um, yep. We're looking at, uh, you know, actual P&L, you know, gross margin numbers, and then, you know, uh, operating expense numbers and that and that kind of thing. We're looking at that uh, as close to the 10th as possible. So okay. um, my accounting team has been fantastic about getting our books done yep. on time. Usually I have them by the 9th, sometimes right. the 8th, but at the very worst on the 10th. Uh, for instance, I got the books uh, completed exactly on Friday, and I was able to look them over this weekend. Uh, I was able to look over all the numbers this weekend, and then I start kind of 
I do all the analyzation of that, yeah. and then I go to the I go to the manager from there and, and work okay. on. Uh, like for instance, here in Kokomo, we had a gross margin issue. One of the first questions I asked got here is, "How do we have a gross margin issue last month?" Right. And I found out that we had to replace a couple of uh, ductless split units under warranty that that the manufacturer didn't cover the units, but we wanted to do a good thing for the customer. Well, that was ten thousand dollars yeah. for the Kokomo budget that that affected the gross margin. So. Sure. You're, you're, you're answering my questions before I, before I ask them. I was going to ask about <laughs> troubleshooting. So once, yeah, so once you, once you look at the, the numbers and you go, uh-oh, um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned gross margin. Let's maybe get a little more dialed in than just gross margin, like materials and equipment. If, if those look high, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's so the first call is the manager right away. And that's just what, just, hey, why is it? And, and kind of talk how you, you coach that, that moment. Well, I drill down myself the best I can um, while I'm doing the original analysis. Yeah. My uh, financial analysis usually takes me anywhere from four to eight hours a month. Sometimes I'll spend more time on it, sometimes less. I guess you could say an average of six. Um, I usually work from home on the day that I do the financial analysis just so I'm not being bothered quite as much. Um, and um, and then then I make the notes of what needs to be addressed with the management team. And then um, you know usually for them it's mostly a uh, it's mostly a, a gross margin issue that they're responsible for. They can't they do have some net responsibility or some operating expense responsibility. Sure. But um, the, but for the for the most part, most of what they can affect is uh, on the gross margin side of things. So I really work hard with them on. Um, on making sure that our gross margin is correct. And if not, we focus on either labor. Um, we've got our labor now. I created a special formula on our DMRs where you can see the total company labor uh, mm-hmm. every single day. You can see what it's at. We call it the salary cap, it's 30%. <laughs> <Cool>. um, <laughs> Sports reference, so, I that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we call it the salary cap. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can see where some where one of each location is trending every single day as far as the salary cap goes to 30 percent. And um, and then, um, well, you know, so it could be labor or it could be materials and um, or can be um, um, the um, equipment. So um, it could be the sales price, too. You could, So it all starts. Yeah. We sell it for the right price. So doing drops. Yep. We sell it for the right price. And then, our, you know, what are we doing as far as purchasing? And a lot of times when things are getting kind of messy, what I have found, and I've went through this exercise quite a few times here recently, um, and we had a pretty good year for gross margin. Uh, we're, we're right at 50%. Um, and we're trying to get higher because I have people in my tag group that are even higher. So I'm shooting for higher next year. 55 is my target next year. There you go. Um, but, uh, um, you know, we're, 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 when things get messy, a lot of times we just get dirty. You know, that means we mm-hmm. go out and we clean trucks and we find inventory laying around or we talk about or we sit down and talk about how they're utilizing labor and and how we could better utilize labor. And usually those two things uh, are, are will fix the problem. It's it's hardly ever equipment. And when it is, it's because we had uh, maybe we had to honor a, a, a guarantee or something and the equipment ends up being like it was in Kokomo. You had ten thousand dollars worth of equipment that was honored on a guarantee that the manufacturer isn't standing behind so yeah story (laughs) (laughs) how about on the material side is is that pretty i mean you know i know you're hvac so materials aren't huge huge part like plumbing or electrical per se but does that typically stay about about right where you want it 
when I find that the material's loose, it's usually a uh, I can usually see it starting to build up out in out in the warehouse and this and where people are just bringing buckets of fittings or or and just leaving stuff laying around. I can pick up on materials before it ever happens on the PNL. I just see it in the way things are organized. I can open the back of the truck and I can start spotting material problems that way. Um, and, and the minute the minute you get organized um, with your materials on your trucks, and you know you start really focusing on making sure that we're taking, you know, uh, pieces out of the warehouse that that that, that got stacked in a corner over here or there. Uh, organize them and get them out of the warehouse as they're showing jobs. That those problems uh, just go away. I've I've yeah. never seen that be an issue if you stay organized. Yeah. Uh, so you have these discussions about particular numbers that are off with your managers. How do you end that that conversation? Do you ask them to come up with like a, you know, an action plan, the next two or three steps to to resolve it, or what what do you do? Yeah, you're exactly right. So we have an action plan. So what I do is at the end, we do what I call a success path with the team. Usually it's every three weeks. It can vary a little bit, but usually it's every three weeks. Um, and during those, uh, um, during that um, success path, we'll come up with three. Uh, they'll have seven fundamental items that they're in charge of. And one of those fundamental items is gross margin, right? And so um, they'll, if gross margin is an issue, they'll, they'll, they'll say, I'll say, okay, pick up the three things out of the seven. Those seven things you're doing every single day, but pick three things that you're going to be laser focused on. Even though you're doing them all every day, pick three things that you're going to be laser focused. And it can be one thing if you want it. It, can, it doesn't have to be three, yeah. but no more than three. And then, the, then they'll say, okay, I want to work, I want to work on gross margin. Well then let, okay, what specifically are we going to focus on? You know, well, I'm going to do some ride alongs and figure out what guys are buying when they're going out to the supply houses, you know, how they're storing uh, materials or equipment, or, or I'm just going to focus on uh, making sure that I don't have guys uh, hanging out of his, at the office and, and, and telling the stories for hours on end or, you know, just, um, or I'm going to focus on callbacks or, or, you know, they'll, we'll look at different data points and go, okay, this, this is how we're going to fix it. But I always, they can't just say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on gross margin. They have to give me steps that they're going to yeah. actual real steps. They're going to focus on stuff. That's great. You have the number um, and then the behavior to drive it. Yeah. That's great. That's a good, that's a really One, good takeaway for people. One of my one of my managers recently said I'm going to get a daily purchasing report and review it every single day um, for the next three weeks. And again, it's not something you're going to do forever. Sure. But for three weeks, she studied that to see if she could find issues. So. Yeah, that's great. Now these these success paths is this just a one on one conversation or with with you and the manager or are these where you're talking in a your group of man your group of managers and you. The success paths are one on one. So each, each manager has their. They're always one-on-one, yeah. Okay, very good. How, how frequently do you talk to, is the whole management group about numbers and, and what's driving the, the success or, or the struggles? And maybe, you know, you can kind of get input from others, you know, kind of group think through different problems. Do you guys get together frequently as a, as a senior management team? So we, we meet every morning um, for 15 oh, minutes. Uh, okay. It's our daily huddle. And you get a lot done in that in those huddles. And a lot of times, if there's something that needs to be taken offline with one or two of them, or even a group of them, we'll we'll find time later on during the day, or maybe even right after the huddle, to to uh, to, to have an, another meeting on a particular uh, topics. 
And then as a management team, we work, we meet quarterly. You meet quarterly. And we meet quarterly. When we have those quarterly meetings, we go to a location. We pick a different location every time. And we, we uh, first meet with their team on the first day and we kind of do the, go through the, what, what are we doing that we should keep doing? What are we doing that we should stop doing? And what are we not doing that we should start doing? Yeah. We, we intrigue them with those questions and get lots of good feedback from the team with those questions. And the next day, we also have a, uh, a document that we all collaborate on of topics that we're going to meet on the next day. And we may talk about some some things that the team discussed, plus things that are on our document that we need to that we need to get tweaked as a group. So it's almost like uh, those profit platoon on sites. It kind of sounds like a similar a similar format. It's exactly what it is. That's where we got <laughs> it from, by the way. <laughs> that's, hey, that's great. That's what it. That's exactly what it is. That's 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 how we developed it. We're like we're going to treat each location like for a profit platoon. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. So then every quarter you have new initiatives that, that you know, okay, we need to do X, Y, and Z to get better. That's that's mm -hmm. great. Um, I wanted to talk, before we, we pivot a little bit, I wanted to talk about operating expenses. You, you, you refer to advertising, right? That's the big driver of, of sales, assuming, uh, and that, that, that drives everything. So how, how much does your advertising expense fluctuate throughout the year? Do you, you start pumping it up a couple months before those typical shoulder seasons, or how, how, what's your approach? Well, we've struggled a little bit to grow since uh, since COVID airs started. Unlike a lot of content, and that, by the way, that's that, there should be no excuse for that. I don't. I I, I take that personally. That's that's on me. I need to fix that. But um, um, I, I've I've seen too many other individuals that are in my tag groups and 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 across the country that are just exploding, and the and the data says that people have exploded. So we we failed in several different areas that we've already talked about here, actually. Uh, as far as growth goes but uh, the reason why i bring that up is because we've experienced it on both sides we've had massive growth yeah and then we've had a little bit of shrinkage if you will okay. and then maintaining we've had maintaining right and mm -hmm. so um you know um you know when you're when you're growing and everything's exploding you know it 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 feels like you're doing everything right. And, but when you're, um, when you're, you know, when you're having shrinkage, it feels like you're doing everything wrong, you know? Sure. And so, um, it's, it's just constantly focusing on what you can control to improve the numbers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, but on that advertising side, is it, is it consistent or does it go up and down for people trying to plan out their marketing plan is kind of what I'm trying to give a little nugget to that. Yes. Yeah. So, so when we were exploding, I would see like, six and seven percent we would plan for ten percent okay. but i would end it would end up being at like six oh, and seven percent right i got you and then and then when we're uh when we were maintaining i've never seen it really get i always try to control it a little better when we're when we're maintaining or not growing. i would keep it right around that ten percent but i've seen it get a little higher than 10 maybe 11 but i'm always trying to rein it back in at that point i'll try to make mid you know quarterly adjustments to kind of fix that to keep it within that ten percent range I like the seven to ten percent. It's a nice yeah. sweet spot. I've heard some yeah. people say twelve. I've never played in that arena, but sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. For ten, ten is typically, I think, what we always say. Is it? Is it just the pay per click? Isn't enough? Or what? Which one are you not spending enough on when it dips down, and then you can see that reflect throughout the company? So, so recently, we've come to the conclusion that we're not doing enough direct, uh, direct, um, you know, direct marketing. Uh, okay. Direct, uh, just direct 
just direct marketing where we're asking for a sale. We've done a lot of branding, like 95 plus percent of what we've done has been all branding. And so uh, recently we've decided to do more direct marketing where we're asking people to, you know, do a tune up or, or, or take advantage of a financing offer or something along those lines. And we, we just literally just started that at Thanksgiving this year. Uh, I've been talking about it since last spring and we just started that and we are seeing some, 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 uh, you know, some ramp up, if you will, direct response marketing. Um, we are seeing some uh, ramp up there, but, uh, it's, we're still early in the process. We really have not done any direct response marketing for, and, and, and I include Google pay-per-click in that we just yeah. ramped up our Google pay-per-click, uh, pay-per-click, uh, uh program. So, okay. um, so we're kind of new in that arena. I say new, we did it a decade ago and then we just haven't had to do it and we got sure. a little spoiled and now we're back to, okay, we need to make this a bigger part of what we do. Sure. And I got that feedback from from other members too, by the way, that yeah. that we needed to do more of that. So. Now, now you you do TV and radio, correct? I mean, that's a, a big chunk of your spend. Yep. So, so more of that direct yep. response. It's asking, hey, we've got a discounted tune-up. Hey, we have a, a financing offer. Though that's where it's also being reflected. Those changes. Yeah, well, in our in, in our TV and radio ads, we did we did literally next to none of that and then right. now since like i said around thanksgiving now we're starting to add those type of commercials into into the rotation as well as pay-per-click as well as email campaigns is what we've done so far so okay what's the financing off you're promoting we're just something simple i, I don't like to give away uh, margins i just hate it <laughs> I, the direct the whole direct response thing is like anti what i want i to know do. So, oh, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just have this, this thing about it, but, um, sure. so I'm not even, I, all I'm doing is, is, is promoting something that we, that we offer pretty much routinely. It's, it was our 12 months, uh, uh, no payments program. So that, that's my direct response, or I have reduced our, uh, our, um, cleanings, our tune-ups, if you will, down to, uh, from 130 to a $99. So those are the two offers that I put out okay. there. Um, uh, I've, you know, I've yet to uh, give in to the free furnace stuff and, you know, that kind of, I just, I, I, I resist it really, really bad. I, um, not that there's anything wrong with it. I, I just feel it's anti what we, what we put out on the radio and the TV. It's just been, it's, it's been total opposite to what we've marketed over the years. So it's been really hard for me to, to, uh, to do the whole direct response, but we got to do it. We recognize that it's part of how we got it grows. Support for this podcast comes from Owens Corning Air Care Contractor Program. Uncover hidden opportunities and take your HVAC business to the next level with Owens Corning. Owens Corning has done the work to provide you with a turnkey system, from sales training to in-home tools with a simple story that practically sells itself. Add duct replacement and attic insulation to your service offering as a part of our program and elevate your sales today. For more information, visit owenscorning.com slash retrofit contractor. How about uh, your vehicle percentage? I mean, it's bonkers the last year or two in terms of getting vehicles. Are you stockpiling? So does, it, does that number skew and, and get out of control? You're trying to buy trucks when you can get them? Or how, what, what's your approach been to this weird new world we've been in? Wow. Uh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm here um, for. So in 2019, we had a pretty good year and I, I did my uh, vehicle planning. I work with uh, enterprise fleets for my vehicle planning. 
and they were very helpful for me there. And, um, and so we ordered trucks and then all of a sudden none of these trucks came and they were supposed to be here, you know, in the summer of 2020. And then we didn't end up seeing them start. They started trickling in at the end of 2020 and then they just all started showing up in 2022. So we had done a couple years worth of planning and they just all started showing up at the same time. That's the bad news. The good news is, and then, and then business started slowing down for us a little bit. So then we were like, well, maybe we wouldn't work so many vehicles. But the good news is, is that we were selling our vehicles and getting like three, four times what we would have got out of them previously. So I, I kind of got the best of both worlds okay. there as it settled nice. down. But there, there for a while, it was kind of like they showed up when you didn't want them to show up in your business season. They sat on the lots for a while before you could get them on the road, you were essentially paying for a vehicle and you hadn't sold the other vehicle. You had double insurances and all this stuff going on. So for yeah. a while I got out of, out of whack, but it's, it's, it's gotten it, it, right now. We've, we pretty much got an updated fleet for the most part. Our yeah. fleet is youthful, if you will. And, okay. um, and, uh, and, and the numbers have settled down there a little bit. So when do you, when do you retire vehicles? Is there a set number? You just try to ride those suckers till they, till they get to be too much of a headache. I don't want to be the, the father of advice here because I don't know that there's a magic number to this, but I will tell you what my philosophy is. Yeah. And my philosophy is that when I can sell a vehicle and it covers the wrap and the shelving and basically the outfitting of the new vehicle, if I can, if, if I can sell a vehicle and get enough money out of it to do all that for the new vehicle, that's when it's time to sell it. And that's, that's usually in the eighth, eight to ten thousand dollar range when i can sell a vehicle and get eight to ten thousand out of it sometimes less but in that range then i can go buy shelving and i can go buy my wraps for the new vehicle then i'm good with that that you know that's that's when i update what's your what's your maintenance schedule on those vehicles to make sure they that you get the most out of them i mean is it how frequently you get them serviced so um we we probably could be better at this um mm -hmm. but we do have a dispatch team that helps keep an eye on that yeah. um and the guys will let them know that hey listen i'm at the i'm at the oil change marker and then we you know we deal with uh we use tire discounters is the group that we use for our maintenance uh -huh. And we have a relationship with them. So they're pretty good about going through their inspections and making suggestions. Good. And then I train the managers on which ones we do, what we'll do and what we don't do, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for me, I'll do pretty much almost any suggestion they make as such for transmission flushes. Because every time I've done a transmission flush, I've always, a month later, I got to replace the transmission. So it's if it's the transition, transmission, that's right. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's a good nugget. All right. Well, let's uh, let's transition a little bit. We know the first line items, uh, you know, gross sales, and we've we've talked about that. Um, well, actually, you know, the, the one great way to drive gross sales, excuse me, is is reviewing tickets to ensure opportunities are not wasted. So, being it, it, you know the organization your size and multiple location, who is ultimately reviewing uh, your service tickets and your sales tickets? So our, it all starts with our dispatchers. So our dispatchers, um, they review every single ticket and we're looking for each one of our technicians to have provided some customized solutions for the, uh, for the homeowner. And so we don't just ask them to put down suggestions. We ask them to put down why they suggested it. Okay. I did this because, and yeah. so, um, 
so and if they if the dispatcher feels like the technicians made suggestions just to appease a manager if you will the manager said i had to have three three options so i just copy and paste these same three options on every end we don't want that so yeah so um if they see that they're to stop and call the technician and ask them about that and then maybe on their next call they'll have them call before they put the options and coach them to you know hey you know what do we see on the uh system performance report um what kind of questions do we ask what kind of answers do they give us these you know list of questions that we asked and can we create a personalized or customized um option based on those answers so um and just really coaching the tech on how to get the proper uh the uh, we want our techs to offer um, um, recommendations on every job. Every job, we yeah. want them to make re- recommendations, but we want those. We don't want them to be cookie cutter. We don't want them to just be, you know, um, you know, the same three options every time. We want them to be personalized and customized to the to the scenario. And yep. the dispatcher is what is that's who holds them accountable for that. Really? So it's a dispatcher only. It's not the dispatcher notices an issue and then alerts a service manager. And the service manager handles it. It's your dispatchers that. That that have that. Authority. So the di- the dispatchers will do the soft coaching, yep. you know, and then if the technician is you know not responding, then they yep. escalate it to the ops manager. Okay, so. that's interesting. How about on the sales side? You see, uh, maybe you know there's too many drops going on, or who who's kind of keeping an eye on on those all the time? It's the same process except for the ops managers. Uh, they're uh, also asked to keep a closer eye on the the uh, actual sales calls. Okay. So the ops managers will act as the sales coaches um, to um, uh, to to their sales team, and then um, and then from there, if if the ops manager needs additional sales coach, we have this awesome guy named Cody Bodine that works for us. He's a pretty good sales coach. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm so a little bit, yeah. <laughs> He helps out there quite a bit. Uh, he trained all the ops managers how to be sales coaches, and so. Um, but the, but they're they're asked to keep a closer eye on their sales team. They're told to rely on the dispatchers to check their technicians, and they'll escalate the technicians to the ops managers when there's an issue. The dispatchers also check the sales team. They make sure that you know. The load cap was filled out and that the questionnaire was filled out and that you know that they went through the process and that they're they gave options and that they're personalized and customized and that they had reasons why they did i did just because they, they go through all that with them yeah but the sales the ops managers also have to look at that and i have uh it, depending on their day i'll have certain ops managers a lot of times will have their sales people debrief almost almost every call maybe not exactly every call but sometime during the day they'll debrief the calls with them so how many how many are they typically go running on a day i mean does it i guess varies maybe in the summer where they're you, you know you strike where the iron's hot right maybe you run some more is it always two to three we try to keep it at two uh two yeah. calls a day um i've seen it get you know up to four or five um we know that we're failing them as a management team when we give them that many calls i always say managers are their own worst enemy when it comes to dispatching calls when the weather's crazy because we're telling them, take your time, take your time, take your time, and do things right, and ask the right questions, and be thorough, and and then, oh, it's busy, go in three more calls. You know, you're your worst enemy. You know, you just uh, so we really work hard at trying not to do that to them, 
And if we are going to do that, we ask permission. You know, that's how I train the train the managers. Ask permission. Hey, do you have time to run one, one more call? Can you work a little later tonight? Uh, do you think you'll be able to serve the clients that you're uh, working with now proper before you run the next call? Is that does that come up? Is that you coaching your managers like in the huddles in the mornings and going, hey, I know it's 105 out, but let's not kill everyone, right? Yes, those are common <laughs> conversations that we have when the weather, we're getting ready to have some really cold weather. Sure. Uh, and that will be a common conversation. You know, I, I, I word it a lot like this, guys, we're like, we're just like coaches on the field, right? So if you watch your favorite sports team, good coaches know when to take their players out for a breather. You know, you, you, you just can't keep hammering them, hammering them, hammering them and expect them to perform right. that you got to know when to pull them out for a breather. Right. Sure. And, um, and, 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 don't just assume that they'll run the extra calls. Ask. And people respond better when you ask than if you just assume. You know, most people in this industry know that there's going to be late nights. But don't just assume that because you were at HVAC Tech that you're gonna, they're going to be willing to work a late night. You know, ask. Yeah. You know, uh, same with a salesperson. So. Sure. No, that's a good nugget for sure. On, on the service maintenance side, what are your kind of uh, criteria you coach your 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 technicians on when an you know an, an off when a replacement system you know should should at least be offered you know where you're flipping that lead is it you know like is it 10 years old or there's a certain dollar amount on the repair yeah we use uh, we use the straightforward pricing guide and the charts inside of that to kind of as a guideline um, as a rule of thumb 10 years is where we have uh, the, the number set at is when it, when a unit is, you know, uh, becomes an opportunity, if you will. Yeah. doesn't mean every 10-year-old unit is going to become an opportunity, but that's when they can start to be looked at as an opportunity. Sure. I've seen some that were, became opportunities within two years or less. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but for the most part, it's a 10-year a or older system is when we've determined as a team that, that that's when they're an opportunity. And when the repair at that point, you know, depending on where you're at, but when your repair starts climbing into three, four, five hundred dollars $500, that's also um, a good time But uh, to think about it. But at the end of the day, the way we present it is we're, uh, we want to prevent, uh, we want to present options to yeah. the client and let it be their decision. That's just one sure. of the options would be, would you like to, you know, it, so and for example, if, if if I was going out on a service call and you needed a, say a blower motor, right? Um, and I would offer the blower motor repair as an option. I might, uh, as, a, as a next level option, I might say a blower motor and I ask myself, what else can fail? Uh, a blower motor and a capacitor, maybe mm -hmm. the blower motor wheel, that'd be another option. Uh, yeah. So what else can fail that can cause that same problem? So then we might add blower motor, capacitor, wheel, and board. That'd be like your third option. Yeah. And then so you'd say, okay, here's your options. You know, here this is the top option. This is the the to get fixed option. And we also, since we have these options and it's ten years old, we also have the option for a project manager. So, so that's kind of uh, what that would look like. And then we'd say. Yeah. What, what, what do you think works best for you and your family? You know, that's yeah. kind of how we go about that conversation. Sure. Do you, do you guys utilize the, the true cost calculator? Do you guys do that? Yes. Yes. So when the customer starts asking questions, yeah. we'll then turn. Well, our goal is to always let the customer, guide the customer to answer their own questions. Yeah. 
that's our goal. It doesn't always work that way. And some sure. guys are getting better at it or working to get better at it. And if you're new, sometimes you're not any good at it, you know, um, sure. sometimes when you're old, you're not any good at it. Right. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, <laughs> but our goal, if, if we could draw up the picture perfect world, it would be that the customer says, you know what, based on this data using the, and we use the true cost calculator quite a bit. But we let them answer the questions just the way it was designed originally. At least that was my understanding of how it was designed. Yep. Let them answer the questions and then ask them, do you think it would be best to invest this in, in your old system or, or spend it on a new system? What do you think would be best for you and your family? No, that's great. That's great. A uh, little little pivot here on uh, let's talking about you know your salespeople. We were talking about them and some of the you know pitfalls that that that, that can happen. How do you how do you uh, minimize say the confusion that happens between what the salesperson sold and what the install team understands you know that project to be you know a lot of times that can lead to callbacks or there's oh i thought this this was x but it's y you know you know what i'm talking about how, how do you kind of minimize that make sure that the system that the customer bought was the one that's installed and they're happy with it so we've come up with levels there's three different levels and um uh, one of the levels, uh, we'll just call it level one, and I'm sorry, I might have them backwards. It's been a while since I looked That's at right. the levels, but let's just call it level one. Level one might be a easy peasy change out, right? And that, and so the project manager's responsibility at that point, take great pictures, make good notes, and then they just have to call the uh, install team and go over the job with them. Yep. If they don't have much on their schedule, we ask them to go out and visit that job. If it's a level two, then that means it's a full system. Level uh, full system um, means that we need to make a visit to the job site. Like, you know, you, you also need to still gather good data, make good notes, yeah. but make a visit to the job site. And if it's a level three, which means we're doing a complete redesign duct system, all that stuff. And that means you might have to make daily visits to the job site. Okay. And that's how, that's how we try to do that. Uh, yeah. Try to keep our, our, you know, that that's the levels that we ask our, our project managers to go by. Yeah. Um, and, and that we try to keep our, um, hands on things and keep them from getting out of control that way. So that's great. That's great. Uh, just a couple of kind of just one-off questions. And then I've got at least one question I see from, from the audience. If, if you are noticing, uh, you know, issues with either service or, or replacement tickets, I mean, we talked about the accountability factor of what you guys do, how much, uh, training, how does training change? If you notice a technician, for example, is, is continually having, uh, uh, you know, uh, problems offering correct options, or he's just slapping things down. Is that a one-on-one -on -one training opportunity, or same thing with a salesperson? Say he goes and I know you have your whole system. Actually, it could be a whole nother, another call on how you handle struggling salespeople. But maybe kind of talk about how you utilize one-on-one right. -on -one training with people that are struggling. Yeah. So uh, at first, it's it's again the dispatchers holding them accountable, and we yep. we catch that stuff. We we tend to catch that stuff before it even shows up in the numbers, you know. Or at the same time, it's showing up in the numbers because once it gets escalated to the OM, then the OM's job is to hold, bring that technician in for a one-on-one -on -one and coach them up. And we we instruct the OMs, and I'm not saying it goes like this every time, but we instruct the OMs to treat it like they call in sick. So if those rest of the calls on that technician have to be rescheduled or whatever, um, we want to deal with that problem while it's well, it's warm, if you will. So we don't want to wait. We don't want want that problem to cool off. We want to deal with that problem right away. You know. Yep. Um, now I'm not saying if a technician has one bad ticket, but if we start seeing a little bit of a habit, uh, yep. and and they're not responding to the coaching of the dispatching team, 
then that problem gets escalated and it could be a project manager too and then that process uh, that that gets escalated to the operations manager and the operations manager does the one-on-one -on -one coaching um we haven't had to go down this road very often it's happened Good. a few times yeah. but if somebody if somebody resists the one-on-one -on -one coaching then we ask them to go home and make a decision yeah. Uh, whether they're committed to us or not, you know, because we're not going to change the way we do things or what we expect. So if, if they seem to really just resist it at all areas, uh, we'll 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 ask them to go home and make a choice. Sure. Sure. How about ride alongs? How much of a, a tool is that in your arsenal to kind of help guys that are maybe scuffling a little bit? I mean, you know, who does those? How often? Do, when do those happen? Ops managers do ride alongs. I'd say weekly. They're 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 in ride alongs. I, I, they don't, I let them kind of pick their days. They just know that that needs to be done. I would say that each ops manager is in a ride along every week. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, at least one, and they'll just pick different individuals to go out with. Um, uh, honestly, a lot of times we pick the stronger individuals to go out with because uh, you can't really fix. You can, when, when, to me, you learn more from the stronger individuals, the, the people who have great results at, at doing ride alongs then you can fix when you ride along with somebody who has poor results. The poor result person usually is just fundamental habits that you don't need to do a ride along to see. <laughs> That's a person who's blown. You know it before you get in the truck, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But the person who's blowing it up, you want to learn what they're doing so you can continue teaching some of those habits to, uh, to your other, to other teammates. So, uh, that that's generally what we do with ride alongs. Although we have occasionally, I've, we 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 still do ride along with people who are struggling every once in a while. I've seen uh, recently um, one of the most recent ones that I had a discussion with the manager on was that uh, this guy was just taking too long. Great guy, we love him. He's awesome, but he's just taking too long. So I said, let's go out and find out why he's taking too long. So let's yeah. do ride. So there was one where we actually went out with somebody who was struggling a little bit, but it was. It wasn't somebody who was fighting the system. It was just like, why is he taking so long? You know, <laughs> was it a technical issue, or was it he just likes to have tea to to issue? Yeah, he just needed a little more pep in his step, or less, yeah. little. I mean, you know, we want people to build a relationship with clients, yeah. but there's, you know, there's you just it's just too much. You gotta gotta <laughs> gotta you gotta round it off at some point. I think Cody taught me. He goes, it's uh, once he gets to the bottom of that cup of coffee. You know, he goes, you know, he's got a, he, he gets you know, one cup of coffee. Once you get to the bottom, you know, it's time to pivot. I'm almost certain he told me that. I'm actually, I'm um, all right. I guess I'm a little more. I'd let you have a few cups of coffee. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's all right. That's that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, he's young. Well, that's maybe that's part of being younger. You know, you're like, you know, it's going to ease, you know, enjoy, enjoy the time there. But he's, he's, he's hustling to make that money. So. Uh, my wife funny. says I drink my coffee fast too, so you know. Oh, is that right? Well, maybe that's it. Maybe maybe the KPI is uh, ten point three seconds for coffee, whether it's one or two, or ten point three minutes. Yeah. Right. Anyway, all right, it's getting goofy. I got a couple of uh, just a couple questions from the audience. You and you met this came early on. Uh, someone asked, "Can Jim list the seven fundamentals?" Now I'm not sure what exact fundamentals, but do you you know what he's talking about? Yes, I do. So I told him uh, each one of my ops managers has several, seven fundamentals. Um, yes. I'm going to go by memory here. I usually have a list in front of me, but the number one is recruiting. Um, number two is training. Uh, number three is connecting. Number uh, four is send them out uh, to, to execute uh, the, the, the training, if you will. 
Yep. And then, um, or is that number four? Number five is um, is um, um, customer satisfaction. Number six is collecting the job. And I skipped one. And oh, uh, it's somewhere after the uh, the I think after five, which was sales, which is gross margin. <laughs> there you go. So, That's that magic so, number. Yeah. So there's your seven. Um, again, recruiting, training, connecting. Send them out to perform, um, um, and then gross margin, yep. and then um, uh, collecting and customer satisfaction. And those last three, I mean, the order of them can be a little bit, you know, sure. different. But that's that. Those are the seven fundamentals every single day. <laughs> that's great. No, yeah, those are those are that's that's a great nugget. Uh, and then this is looks to be more of a, a comment from anything. It says I try and keep vehicles around four percent on the income statement including fuel and maintenance. So thank you for that little insight. So um, Jim, just in wrapping up, any any final advice you might have for the audience as it pertains to building the budget or, you know, once that's built and, and you know, the day-to-day -day management, making sure those numbers hit get hit by reviewing tickets and, and invoices, anything you'd like to impart that you haven't Well, um, something I'm learning that I, 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 I guess, we had such explosive growth there for a while that I started to kind of coast on my marketing. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a nugget where I learned the hard way. And that's, hey, that's that I kind of, <laughs> I took my foot off the pedal and started kind of, you, I, I was a little complacent in my marketing thinking, well, if I just continue to do the, the same branding that I've done over and over, I'll continue to grow the way I have. And if that, media starts not working say radio i can just go on tv and 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 and, and make it better yeah. well i've taken this advice from um other eab members and other tag members that you got to do some direct response marketing and you you're you have to be responsible for the number of calls that come in the building so yeah. that's a lesson i think that that um i kind of got away from or maybe got complacent it's not that i didn't know it but Sure. I got complacent in it. Um, yep. So now I'm I'm literally in the process of really focusing, and I don't have it quite dialed in exactly the way I want to, but I'm I'm on my way, well well on my way to call volume every single day. Yeah, I love it. That's good. That it. I appreciate <laughs> it. Awesome. Well, hey Jim, thank you for your time. I know we were going to have two guests, and, and it ended up just being you and me for over 50 minutes, but this was a lot of fun. Uh, thank, thank you to everyone watching and who participated. The video of today's show will be available on the Certain Path Hub and our YouTube channel uh, shortly after the holiday, so a couple weeks. Uh, it'll also be distributed on uh, the Successful Contractor podcast at that point, so please check that out. We have, uh, I think, over 110 episodes at your finger, uh, fingertips. And speaking of the holidays, Jim, I just wish you and your family uh, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I wish you nothing but even greater success in 2023 and uh, i wish the right, same all you, of you watching listening thank you jim and uh, this has been another certain path member discussion thank you all and have a wonderful day that's jim bodine of cgs heating and air conditioning with multiple locations across ohio and indiana talking about how he handles budgeting and invoice review i hope you enjoyed today's show if so please like and subscribe on youtube if you're on your favorite podcast player please Leave me a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes.
This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro Trades. At the Home Depot Pro Trades, our job is helping you do yours. Powered by HD Supply, we are uniquely positioned to help drive your business through unrivaled access to professional-grade plumbing, electrical, and HVAC products, and innovative business solutions such as our StockWise Inventory Management Program, fully customizable to meet your needs and improve productivity. Our national network of distribution centers and more than 2,200 store locations provide national reach with a local focus, giving unmatched convenience and product availability. We power pros to do more. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With CertainPath, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.